The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. Hey, this is Brian Casey from the Winemakers Podcast. So we are at Grenache Day, the official uh, international Grenache Day celebration that Sondra Bernstein is uh, hosting at Sweet D this week. And Bart and I just arrived and... um, uh, set up the equipment, and uh, we were just getting into some rosé, and uh, Randall Graham showed up and uh, <laughs> was one of the first to arrive. How's that and, for uh, kicking off Grenache Day at yeah, the Yeah, no Sweet kidding, D. right? What have you been up to? Oh, I'm, it's, it's, all right gr- up it's all Grenache all the time in it's my world. <laughs> um, I love it in so many different ways. How can I count? How can I count the ways? Uh, only well, see, there's Glee, harvest. There's Blanc. There's Noir. <laughs> That's right. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Well, I, I think I've been drinking the Clos de Gilroy uh, for uh, years and years. And uh, thank you. My mother thanks you. Yeah, you're very welcome. <laughs> well, the girl in the fig, I think, has carried that off and on for at least the last ten years that I've been there. Um, and how did you get out of uh, working today? Or are you done? Are you? What do you do? What yeah, do you so do? So what's what's going on? If we could start with that, what what's going on with harvest this year, for for you? Um, it's been kind of a, a little slow to start. Uh, many areas are behind schedule, and it's been kind of a funny year. Kind of every year, I guess, is, gets more apocalyptic uh, <laughs> as we go uh, <laughs> between fires and floods and this and that. Um, but and the numbers are look very strange. We're, we're seeing actually some beautiful chemistries, which is always very heartening. Uh, I mean, in California, of course, every year is a brilliant year. We, we all know that, right? Um, Especially if you listen to the Napa Valley grape growers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It's um, I'm of course very excited that we're getting a little bit of grapes from Popolishum this year for the first quasi-commercial so, harvest. So this is it. This, this is, is the first year. This is it. Well, actually, I brought a bottle of last year's. We made one barrel. Okay. It's delicious. Yeah. It's just one barrel. This year, we'll have four barrels, maybe, or six. I mean, th- that's a whole episode in itself, Randall, and someday we hope that we might just sit down with you about it. Could you could you give us a, a summary of, of that project? I could. <laughs> or, well, or the question is, will I? No, no, I couldn't. It's it's an ambitious project. It's a very ambitious project. It involves many different facets, but the the real underlying principle is to try to find uh, a really distinctive wine in California and make wines that matter, make wines that express a sense of place, and do it in an, in an original way. And, and really make wines that count. Uh, there's so many wines that are redundant that just the world doesn't really need in any tangible form, and yet they, st- and, and yet they still exist. Right. Um, so and they're still consumed. Somebody consumes them. God, right. God only knows why. Um, but in other words, I'm, I'm a European wine lover. I love European wines just so much. And the reason I love them is, is for their originality. And I just wonder sometimes what can we do in California that is equally original, that it's not derivative, that's not sort of a reasonable or unreasonable facsimile. What do, what do we have to say for ourselves? Yeah. That's yeah. the long and short of it. Yeah, that's that's great. That's a that's a great start, and we'll just leave that as a temptation for all of our listeners. <laughs> that they can, good. they can say, all right, we need to little, know a little more about what Randall's working on. Right, so. right. Yeah, Robert, can we can we check in with you? How uh, is it that you came to be in Sonoma today? Um, well, I'm here for various things. Um, there is a an expo explorer thing oh, about right, Sonoma, right. which uh, is one reason for me being here. Also, um, I produce wine in uh, Languedoc in France, which is the Napa Valley of of Europe, I would say. And what's the label? And it's called Le Grand Noir. It's got a black sheep on it. And we are the black sheep of our, of our region. <laughs> and in a lot of the things, and I've known Gra- uh, Randall for a long time, and some of the things, actually, we're going almost in the opposite direction in a strange way to, to Randall, which, which amuses me a lot. Um, but I love Grenache, and that's part of the, the, the story. 
Um, and one of my business partners actually is a genius label designer called Kevin Shaw of a, an agency called Stranger and Stranger, um, mm. who lives near Sebastopol. Okay. Um, and is married to uh, Jenny Lambricks, uh, who's a Pinot Noir maker uh, there. She was so in my biodynamic right. study group. So this yes. is a, this, we're yeah. in a small, yeah. we're in a very small, small little world. world. And I, I got into wine. I was a wine writer for a very long time, which is how I first met uh, Randall. And I started a wine competition, the International Wine Challenge, and all sort, all those sort of things. And about um, 13 years ago, um, I realized that being a wine writer wasn't going to um, pay the bills. And my son was born that year, and I thought I'd need to feed him. And wait, so you started a him. winery? No, nope, no, no. <laughs> actually, we. The, the strange thing was everything I'd learned from California and Australia and New Zealand and all the, the New World. I was looking at Europe and thinking, why couldn't we do some of that here? There you go. And France has been very bad at wine brands. Hmm. Um, and essentially, there are lots of brilliant small estates, many of which are, are dying. I mean, right. financially, it's... Um, just to tell you, Bordeaux has... It will have lost a chateau today. Bordeaux is losing one chateau a day. They wow. Were, there were 20,000 Bordeaux chateaux. There are now 6,700. Wow. None of those losses probably, or very few of those losses actually matter, hmm. being brutal about it. There are families and all sorts of people who it may matter to. I don't think the world of wine will have missed many of those uh, look-alike, not very good Bordeaux. Right. In Britain, we're losing one pub a day. We have been. Really? Yeah. Now, that's very surprising. But actually, do you know, we haven't lost very many good pubs. Okay. The pubs that have gone have been the, the, the ones that didn't really need to exist. Mm. Um, so I wanted to make a branded wine, uh, to create a wine brand. So we looked around and we found 6,500 hectares of that um, belonged to the members of, of one little set of cooperatives in the Minervois. And it's one of the most fabulous places nice. to make wine in the world. You start at 50 meters and you go up to 300. Oh. Uh, La Livinière is the, the top bit, which is the best bit, which is where Gérard Bertrand whose rosé is all over the place sure, here, sure. has got his Clodora um, $190 a bottle um, super premium wine, which I rejoice in because we need some super premium wines there because, I, I, just don't, I don't know how to translate into dollars, but the average price of our wine in our region is about one, it's, it's, it's less than $2 a litre. Wow. And this is wine with an appellation on it. Wow. So um, it's not easy. So anyway, we went down there, and they've got lots of every different grape you can think of. And we're making a wine, what I call it's a vin des terroirs. In other words, every wine is it's a champagne concept. We're blending from different places with everything we do and different heights. And the, the, the point of the story is that the wine I never thought would take off is our GSM. And uh, nobody was doing a GSM in our area like nobody was doing mm. a Chardonnay Viognier and no one was doing a Cabernet Syrah. And we started to do a GSM, and it's our third biggest selling wine in the U.S., after a Pinot or the Rosé, I think. Um, and we do a Grenache Rosé as well. Um, and it's just a place where the Grenache just works. Mm. You know, it's where we, we do a, a Pinot, which we found the right places to make it, and we make a really nice Pinot. But I lived in Burgundy. We're not making Burgundy. We're making right. a, a very different kind of Pinot. Um, we do some nice Cabernet. We do, you know, I'm not talking down my wines, but the GSM is the one, it's what I call our rock and roll wine. And it's the one that I grab for um, whenever I just want something to drink. That's yeah. the one that you're most passionate about? Look, I'm promiscuous. You know, okay. basically, come the moment, we do a Viognier, <laughs> which I just, I, you know, half the time I hate it. It's really, it's not, actually, we find it easy to make. And it's not true in a lot of places. I mean, relatively, we can't sell it. We really can't sell it. We can't sell it in the US. We, there are about three countries in the world where we can sell it. Mm. Australia buys it. Um, and so we shouldn't do it. We shouldn't make it. Yeah. Um, but we do. And there are times when I really love it. And then we also put about 15% into our Chardonnay. And it does wonders for the Chardonnay. Yeah, add a little lift yeah. to it. I kind of like that. It's, just, uh, you know, it's fun. You know. um, so there are things, you know, there are games we can play. With, with that sort of setup, we can play with lots of, of different ideas. Yeah. So we, yeah. Even make, we even make a, this is, I should have found a bottle, I couldn't bring one. We do a rosé, we do a Grenache Carignan Method Champenoise Pink Rosé. 
Oh. Which is just a silly... Brian salivating. Just a really silly <laughs> wine. You know, um, I was on the hunt for, for eight, nine years for a good sparkling Rhone. Um, you know, because at the Girl and the Fig, we the only place we really veered off the the program was was in the sparkling wines and the ports. And the ports we could kind of nail down. We we found some yep. some some good ones, but the the sparkling was always just the toughest thing um, to find good sparkling runs. And I don't I don't know if that's just because people didn't think that it would make good sparkling wines, or they just never really tried. And the and the ones that I tried that were Syrah based were very masculine and. Um, a little bit, um, um, you know, good in, good in a in a certain setting with uh, cured meats or cheese or something like that. But good I from never afar, really, but far from good. No, and I just never found anything really, uh, you know, delicate and pretty. And yeah. um, the French, I mean, Randall knows France very well, but you obviously did France. I, I lived in Burgundy for five years, six years. They they have this expression, fit but it's not done. And you know, if you're not doing the thing that everybody else does. It, it's wrong. And I had a girlfriend there who said one day, she said, uh, you know, people are calling you, people say you're eccentric. And I said, yeah, and, you know, I'm British, that's, that's okay. She said, do you know what eccentric means? <laughs> and I said, yes. And she said, it, it means people in white coats are going to come and get you. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> So basically, and that is living in Burgundy and thinking, what if we did something, what if I tried some Pinot Blanc here? Oh, wow. Yeah. Right? You know, we can't, you know, <laughs> right. what, what if I tried something else? Oh, no, yeah. so yeah. up. And you're in Bordeaux, and could I try something that wasn't Cabernet Merlot and so on? No, so Until somebody discovers that the climate's changing and they go, oh, God, hey, let's plant lots of experimental grapes. So we've got Tariga Nacional being grown in Bordeaux now, experimentally, yeah. because Merlot is a problem. Mm. Wow. But until somebody official says it's allowed right nobody will do it and who are those people oh it's the french government it goes up literally through the government but it, yeah. it's not unfortunately when we started doing what we were doing and saying well let's blend some syrah and some cabernet no 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 just super you, you cannot do this it does not nobody has done it before so you don't do it yeah fascinating yeah, kind of like the you know the Super Tuscan model, or or yeah. like uh, what Nicole Rollet is doing there at Chambly Bleu, you know, just right. saying yeah. fuck you. We're gonna we're gonna blend what we want to blend together and release it, and it's not gonna be. A but it's foreigners. Um, Nicole's a foreigner. Yeah. We're foreigners. It tends to be the outsiders who do it. And Italy is different. It's Italians, if an Italian sees his neighbor drive uh, trading up to a Ferrari. They'll go, what's he, what's he doing? Whatever he's doing, <laughs> I'm going to take those pills and, right. and, and do the same thing. In France, you see your, your, your friend trade up and you go, oh, there's something, somebody's bribing somebody or there's something. Right. I'm not going to do it. Well. In 10 years' time, maybe. Maybe my son will do it. Well, and that's exactly it is, you know, the next generation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's what we see going on in, in France a little bit. It's the next generation. But Rand- I mean, Randall, is, you talk about this stuff. Randall has been the code breaker. You know, here's the man who hasn't got any Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. So right. he's the code breaker here. Right. Absolutely. Wait. Yeah, Randall, when are you going to make a Chardonnay or a Pinot Noir? <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm stepping away from the table. <laughs> Lightning strikes. I stopped in, I stopped in 1990 uh, with Chardonnay. Everyone thought I was nuts. Maybe they were... I don't know. I mean, I'm almost tempted to do it again, just just to be perverse. But I think that I'll, would be re- funny as hell. Yeah. Temptation. Yeah. <laughs> too old for what? Too old for these tricks. <laughs> tricks are for kids. <laughs> That's right. Right. Yeah. Well, what's going on at the winery these days? What are uh, you're in the throes of harvest, and 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 yeah, how much are you involved in day to day with uh, crush and and going out in the vineyards medium, now? Medium involved. Uh, what about this can over here that I saw? One que- one question at a time. Yeah. <laughs> so you're medium you're medium involved, which means mostly you know, spending time out in the vineyards trying to figure out when to pick stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of our wines, uh, there are inexpensive wines. Uh, the larger volumes are custom crushed. So a lot of visits to King City, a lot of miles uh, on the wow. car. Yeah. And Bart is now grabbing a... Uh, Randall, is this something that you brought? This, it uh, is. This is a fizzy, fizzy Grenache. Um, this is exactly my kind of thing. A fizzy Grenache? Fizzy red Grenache. Okay. It's very cool. It's, I hope it's cold. It's cold. Good. And this is under a Bonnie Dune label? 
Indeed. It's called La Boule Mousse Russe. So 79% Grenache. 21% syrup, says here. Those are probably approximate figures, but that's... Approximately. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's when they add up to more than 100% that I always wonder. <laughs> our, friend, our friend Mr. Franzia would only be able to speak about that. <laughs> and what was the idea behind this, Randall? <clears throat> there was no idea. It was just simply pure... <laughs> I don't know what it was. Limbic, pure limbic response. I, I love the idea of fizzy Ooh. red wine. Yes. Yeah. Often the idea is more interesting than the reality, in my experience. I've had some natural wines recently that were fizzy, but I'm not sure that was intentional. Right. That's, you know, <laughs> that's a whole... Don't be catty, Robert. Robert. One every four <laughs> bottles was fizzy. <laughs> right. That's a whole... That's, that's a few episodes. But I think Grenache is... fun. Thanks, this yeah. This is my kind of stuff. It is, and I like the finish amusing. on it. Yeah, it. yeah. So Grenache, it turns out, is actually brilliant for fizzy fizzy wine, for fizzy red wine, mm-hmm. because the tannins are so mild. So I mm. think that is one of the reasons it works. And mm. also the aromatics, you know, because the carbonation is a great carrier for oh, yeah. right. Grenache's right. aromatics. Yeah. Do you like... Um, I mean, it's a different style. Do you like the Australian sparkling Shiraz? No. <laughs> I knew but, that. I knew that was coming, but I thought I'd get Many years ago, James Halliday was determined to in, in, initiate yep. me. He failed. Did he tie you down? He didn't. No. <laughs> but I wanted to love it. I wanted to love it. I didn't love it, but I wanted to. So actually, a few years ago, maybe four, three or four years ago, we made a sparkling Syrah. I loved it. Now, I don't know whether my taste has changed or we just were more clever than the Australians or what. <laughs> Uh, uh, no, I think you're definitely more clever than the Australians. I think the other thing is, I, mean, I, I love some of the Australians, but the ones I love, and I'm sure James gave you the ones I, I, the, the best he would have had access to, but the clever ones tend to be ones that involve reserve wines. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, basically you have to recalibrate your mind and you're not tasting it as wine as we know it. Right. And it has to have more residual sugar than you think it should have. Um, the Australian ones yep. do, and you think, no, I don't really want. But it's a bit like ice cream when you you try it with less sugar, and it doesn't quite, it doesn't mm. seem to balance. But I just think the I mean, Barolo used to be. I mean, Barolo used to be red and sweet and sparkling. Hmm. Not all of it, but they, they, they used right. to do that kind of thing. It was part of the product. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, Italy had lots of. Um, sparkling red wines that yeah. we still see, the, we still see with Lambrusco, we still right. see the, 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 the remnants of, but it wasn't wrong yeah, right. in the way that we think it is. Right? Yeah, no, I don't think this is wrong at all. I'd if, l- sweet, I'd, if sweet red wine is wrong, I don't want to be right. That's right. That's right, Rena. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you know what? Yeah. That that might be a perfect place. To Actually, can I say, I, I should have included fizzy. If sweet fizzy, fizzy red, red wine, wine is wrong, I don't oh, want to yeah. be right. And is this? A, are you selling this in your tasting room, or is this going out to uh, um, stores? I'm trying to sell it in stores. I mean, that would be sort of a great outcome if that. Yeah. Could, this that, should work. Though. It should work. You know, I've been buying a lot of uh, uh, canned wines. I, I went through a, about a month where I was trying trying to sample every one of the cans out there on the market, um, just doing research and and um, and found for the most part, I found some really good, solid, fun consistent uh drinkable wine and it was just very rare that i would find one that i'd say oh god that is uh i mean to me i'm just gonna make one strong point and i'm just could somebody explain to me why I, i i did some store visits in la this week and i must have walked past i i okay 15 visits I must have seen 5,000 bottles 8,000 bottles they're all 75 centiliters big and they're all roughly one of four shapes and this is because 75 centiliters was approximately the lung capacity of a French glass blower 300 years ago interesting God there is no deity who said that wines ranging from an 8.5% German Riesling to a 15, 16, God knows what percent Zinfandel for, from, 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 from um, Sarah Foothills should be in the same size bottle. Right. It's just stupid. Yeah. And people say, oh, yeah, well, it's difficult. And we can't get the bottles and it's difficult right. to do a half bottle and so on. Perfume, beer, the beer guys understand 
that you put light, pale, low alcohol beer in big containers and you put the, the strong stuff into right. small ones. Right. Yeah. yeah. What's so complicated about that? Right, right. Well, and with the cans, it's just a, li- it's a little bit of forethought as, as far as the winemaking process goes of, of um, um, that you're not going to get any aging on the wine. This is going to be a completely contained um, thing. So it just, it, it just means that you think about that when you're picking the grapes and when you're making the wine, that this is something that's going to be drunk fresh. But, but, okay, um, let's stop for a minute. Yeah. What, this, we as wine people talk about two things a lot. One is food and wine matching. The other is ageability. And, you know, your background is as a sommelier, so one of those is is very close (coughs) to your heart. And I I get it. But let's be honest. Out of every hundred bottles of wine that people are buying in Total Wine & More or any of the stores, how many of them are actually going to be matched with a specific dish? And how many of them are going to be kept for longer than a couple of weeks. Right. So very few. I mean, and- Andre Chichelchev used to say, "My wine collection, my wine collection is what's underneath my bed." Otherwise, in his mind, you know, arguably one of the greatest winemakers ever, it was uh, make wine to drink it and consume it and enjoy it. I have to answer. You, you've probably have you met Oz, Oz Clark, my countryman. I, ha- I have not, him. but I know of him. Oz Clark used to talk about. Um, he's one of my fa- one of the best wine tasters I know, but he used to talk about. Um, keeping his wine under his bed. And one of the things that you say about wine is it's got to be kept at the right temperature and it's got to be kept, um, obviously, away from the light and, and away from vibration. And he reckoned that the bottles under his bed actually failed on all of those. <laughs> yeah, no. Especially the vibration. <laughs> right. I was leaving that where it was. Randall, uh, Randall knows Oz very well. So. <laughs> Well, I think with, with cans, you've got a very fun product that can go anywhere. And I think that's the key is I love something that I can take with me. And, and instead of drinking a beer, which sometimes you just want, uh, you want a nice rosé or a sparkling, uh, a sparkling wine in a can. And, um, and, and I don't know that I've noticed the vintage date on other cans I've tried um, like this. You're right about that. Probably not the world's best idea in retrospect. I, I personally would be putting best before rather than the yeah. vintage date. Because, you know, I, I, I bought a bottle of my rosé today in town, and it's the, I, my, my rosé should be 2017 now, mm-hmm. and it's the, I, 216. Well, okay, we're on a screw cap, which we we agree on 150%. Right. Um, but, you know, it's a rosé. I still want that, that to be going through. And when you're going, you, you see a number of white wines out in, in, the, in the stores at the moment, you're seeing some 2014 whites yeah. that weren't made to be drunk four years. I'm getting a lot of emails right now from K&L and Vivino, and I've seen a lot of uh, 2014 shards uh, yeah. on the market at uh, half or a third price. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them may be great buys. Yeah. But, and some of the Sauvignons with that age on them may not be. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, Randall's got something over there that's captured <clears throat> my eye there. Is that a white Grenache by any chance? It is. Wait, Grenache, Grenache Gris. Yes, even better. <laughs> and so, Randall, do you want to talk about that little wine a little bit? Or do you just want us to taste it? I'll talk and taste. So uh, these are very limited uh, release. Actually, they're not even released. Okay. They're, they're sort of under wraps. This is um, a blend of Grenache Blanc and Grenache Gris from our vineyard in San Juan Batista. Which is San Benito County, is San that correct? San Benito County, correct. And we made one barrel. Um, no, it's fine. It's, it's, we're good. Yeah. yeah. Fermented in an egg and uh, bottled without filtration. Put it through mallow. Nice job on the bottle without filtration. That looks brilliant. It's amazing. Yeah. It's a miracle. <laughs> patience, I, patience has a lot to do with it, does it? grasshopper. Yes. yes. Oh, can I say that I'm still tasting that Grenache in the can? That the, the fruit on that is insane. The, oh, the me, fruity Grenache, flavor. I, it took me a long time to understand white, the white and gray Grenache. I, I had so many bad examples in France um, back in the days. Mem- that, even from Roussillon? Oh, yeah. It, it, it's like rosé. You think about how bad <laughs> Provence rosé used to be, right? You know, it was dull. It was oxidized before you started. The yeah. Grenache, they weren't loving their Grenache, either pink or white. Wow, that's um, that's a beautiful wine 
what stri strikes me most is that it enters really very rich mm -hmm. and round and opulent, but then bruising then, acidity. Yeah, then here comes the acidity. All natural acidity. This is all. Well, this awesome. is post mallow. You do not add a drop of yeah. acid. Nothing. And, and, and that just makes the whole wine just stand up and say, take a look at me. And that's wow. what, 13 really and delicious. 13, 13 and a half? 13 and a half, yes. Yep. 27 cases were produced. Yes. Yeah. What? <laughs> 27 cases. 27. So this is now, now 26 and this is 11. So you just had a barrel. It's yes. a significant proportion of the... It's the about one whatever <laughs> it is. Yeah. No, I love, I love that. And this is available at your tasting room? Oh, no. No. <laughs> no, I think this is available out of the trunk of your car? Yeah, if you, if we my, meet you on a corner somewhere? My car had a trunk, yes. <laughs> See, I, think, I, I seriously think these kinds of wines, especially if you're doing smaller, why don't we put these into smaller bottles? You know, because you're twice as many half bottles of this wine, and people actually then... I don't think the American consumer has that much bandwidth. I mean, uh, uh, you know... You know, you know the only place that I really see half uh, as a someone who sells wine, where I see a lot of half bottles goes, is when I've worked in hotels, business hotels, yeah. um, single diners. When you see single diners right. and uh, room service uh, with people that are um, you know on business and want a nice glass of wine, and everything that they see that's on the on the by the glass wine list just isn't up to what they're used to drinking, but they don't want to buy a whole bottle, so they do a half bottle, and then and then it's people who really want that. They'll, they'll buy a, a 750 of red to go with the uh, main course, but they're looking for something just to start off with the salads right. or the oysters or uh, something like that. So half bottles find a, a little niche right there in that. In that. To Randall's point, going back to earlier, that, that half bottle, as far as I'm concerned, needs to be sealed with a screw cap. Hmm. You know, because the, the ageability, I mean, you don't get any ageability on a white with a, with a cork in a half bottle is, a, is another yeah. issue. Are you doing mostly screw caps at, uh, oh, at your winery? Thank you for asking that. Um, we now do um, very close to 250,000 cases, which for France is, is, is quite big. Yeah. And we are now under every closure going, I think. <laughs> um, we have, uh, I'll explain why, um, different markets. <laughs> Australia, they would not accept anything that was not under screw cap. Right. Yeah. China, they will not accept anything that is under screw cap, and they only <laughs> want corks. And the U.S. accepts the whites and the pinot under uh, screw cap and want them under screw cap. But the Cabernet, the, um, the GSM, um, are both under cork. Uh, um, and as far as I'm concerned, I wish they weren't. Yeah. But that's the market. Um, yeah. The market we're in, and I understand that because if enough California wineries followed uh, Randall. It would work, but I, if, you, if I put my Cabernet onto a shelf here, it's going to be surrounded by every other bottle of Cabernet on the shelf that's got a cork in it. Right. And mine's the one with a screw cap. I've got a big marketing challenge there. It's a mindset change. You know, Ian Blessing, who's a psalm of the French Laundry, him and I volunteered uh, this year at Hospice de Rhone, and Vicky was gracious enough to invite us down and let us open wines for all of the seminars and lectures and and uh, I, I had plenty of experience with screw cap and, and was totally fine with it but Ian Ian was a purist and and uh, working at the French Laundry they had they had they had <laughs> Ran, Randall Randall. now looking unwell <laughs> I think that was that you're gonna, was, you're that gonna was like where this Carey, ends though so so we open up uh, so every wine that we would open we'd song. open up two cases and and uh, as you'd pick a, a certain wine to open, so I would say, okay, I'll open this wine. So, Ian, Ian, uh, I don't know if he picked it or if it just got uh, sent his way, but he was trying a uh, O2 Moved uh, from from uh, Australia or South Africa. I think it was Australia, and nice. um, um, he opened up every and and I'm opening up, uh, you know, every bottle and every fourth bottle. I'm setting one aside and letting someone else try it. You've got a little, you know, not cork, but off uh, a little bit different. Little right, different. right. And Ian opened up every one of his two cases of this screw cap of an O2, and every single one tasted exactly the same. And he couldn't stop talking about it for two days about how 
this is insane. I've, I, I, I've never understood how, you know, I always liked corks, but every single wine tasted the exact same. And it was an aged wine. This isn't something that was just released uh, two, three years ago. It was, it was aged wine that was aged well and, 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 and showed beautifully when it was it, open. If yeah. you, the AWRI, the Australian Wine Research Institute, has done some really interesting, they were the first to really look at um, screw caps versus other closures. Um, the French never really tested. Davis wasn't doing those, wasn't publicized, wasn't publishing yeah. those tests. Um, they are way further down the line at the moment, and they're looking at all of the other compounds that are found in natural cork. So TCA is the problem that we're all aware of. Random oxidation is another problem we're all aware of. But all of those other compounds they're finding, which is why every cork, it comes from a, from a tree, there are great corks. I'm sure that some of the best wines I've ever had were helped by good corks. Right. Mm. But on the other hand, I can't tell which that's going to be before I pull the cork out of the bottle. And I've had all <laughs> right. the bad bottles of my right. life. That right, right. <laughs> throw those, throw yeah. the dice on the ground and see what shows up. Mm. This, by the way, Randall. Yes. Cheers. Thank you. Yeah, Cheers delicious. That, Randall. What's it, what are you selling with this? What's it called? It's called um, Populishum right. Grenache Blanc Grenache Gris. We're not selling it. Thank you very much. <laughs> what, but, but potentially, it. it, it he's not a, selling it, it, he's drinking it. A big. A, <laughs> you know what? It was Somebody, one barrel. That's one bottle yeah, a night for Randall. Yeah, I, sure. I've got a drive up. <laughs> no, I mean, he said it was one barrel, so that's yeah. a bottle a night. Yeah. And he's sharing this one with us. This one's even less. We made 30 gallons oh of this. <laughs> this. This is less than so, half a barrel. So the first thing to say about this is that the color it's is beautiful. a really lovely, honest yeah. Proper Grenache. color, gr Grenache color, yes. Yeah. I, I want to talk about the aroma on this. Yeah. That's what, I mean, talk about it's beautiful. Like Grenache. Proper Grenache. Mm. Moment of silence as we all smell this. Yeah, wine. bury our okay, noses Rand deep. Randall, I've got my own thought on, on what Grenache, what the, 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 the words that come into my mind. What are your... Well, there's Grenache and there's Grenache. I mean, this is yeah. But what, you, what you, in your mind, what do you look? What do you want? When you I want this. <laughs> and I got it. But if you were to describe it for, for somebody, we're, this is radio, okay? Oh right, that's right. Radio. <laughs> we don't have smell vision yet. Smell, you don't have smell. They can't see it, so we're going to say it's not as deep in color. This is a wonderfully bright color. Yeah, this kind of raspberry black. colored. Yeah. yeah, very clean. Um, um, so Grenache takes many forms, like other grapes, but this is what I would call very refined, elegant, high-toned Grenache. Cool yeah. climate, whether it's yep. high altitude or, or cool climate. Oh, that's really good. And Sorry. <laughs> and there's some component that is almost, um, dare I say, Burgundian, No, this, if is, you will. this is Grenache meets Pinot. Right. It is. There's a funny intersection um, between... There's also a grape from Italy, the Freisa. That I can think of. You know, that well, actually, of, Rosese is yes. the grape. Here. You know what I mean? That kind of. Well, Fresa is a different beast altogether. But it doesn't have the floral. This, that kind of. Which not, I've had various kinds of them, but it's that light floral, um, and even sometimes wow. a Grignolino, mm -hmm. that, that kind of brightness that you get from those those grapes. Yep. Which is yep. Sort of in that floral. This is area. almost an Italianate version that's, of Grenache. That's where I'm coming from. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it has acidity, which is not something you find in the Southern Rhone so much. It doesn't have the alcoholic weight of the high, the right. uh, Chateauneuf yeah. du Pop. Right. Chateauneuf is very dense often and very weighty. Perfumed also, but a different kind of, different perfume. The perfume this on this is, what, is so beautiful. Yeah. This is what, to me, because I love looking at things in an offbeat way, if you could make Chateauneuf in the Loire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or if you could make Burgundy, except not out of Pinot Noir. But you know what I mean? That's, that's <laughs> the brightness. Um, I'm going to, can I just... See, I've got a bottle out there which I don't know what it's going to taste like. I'm Go for it. Go for it. I'm going to bring it back if it's worth drinking. So you can see I'm kind of excited about this wine. It's awesome. It's yeah. a, a beautiful package. Um, a package that will change. But of course. Uh, of course. Uh, is this only going out to wine club members? Or where is going it? going out to anybody. Who's, what does that mean? It's I pour it for my friends. I enjoy it myself. If somebody's really nice, I, I might pour them a glass. A, a taste. Eventually, we will <laughs> produce more and commercialize it. But for now, we just had you know, and this was fermented in a garbage can. No, it was, it was a clean garbage can. Right, it was very 
large garbage can. And it was probably a white garbage can. It was a white garbage can, of course. Nothing out. Well, yeah. That's a Brian, thing. Brian, you haven't spent enough time in food grade, uh, yeah, food grade, food grade, food grade garbage grade. can. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing what you can do with them. When lined with a with a no, bag or no, no just no, right in food, the can. It's food grade. Yeah. It's no different than you know back in the kitchen. You have certain things you put food in, certain things you don't. Same I thing. think probably polypropylene. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you just stick a top on it and. Uh, yeah, just treat it like an open top tank. Really, so open top has a lid. It's open top fermenter. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's a, the hardest thing usually with a small container is trying to get a temperature that you're happy with. Um, but, you know, that's winemaker dependent. But here's one of the reasons why this wine is so cool is because it didn't come up to high temperature. Right. And it was punched down very gently, very carefully, and it was not over-extracted. Right. So one of the keys to great wine is begin with super intense insanely flavorful grapes and then don't overdo it. You hear yeah. that, everybody? Yeah. That's, there you that's go. the secret. There's <laughs> and there's been a lot of things overdone in our yeah. recent history. So No, this is really pretty. Yeah. And these were made from grapes that were two years old. Wow, yeah. Two-year-old, one, two, one to two clusters per vine. Yeah, yeah. It's wow. beautiful, beautiful. And how do you choose what goes into that bottle? Do you walk the vineyard and say, you know what, we this block is... We everything, took uh, everything that we could find that looked okay got, got thrown in. Okay. So I understand, I mean, these, Brian. These are this very is, young vines. Yeah, these yeah. are very young vines. They yeah. were. This is very much an experimental lot. They're, it's first fruit coming off. So then that even makes you wonder about the potential of the vineyard because this is the first fruit to come off. Wait right. till the vineyard kind of comes into balance and finds itself. Right. And where is this vineyard, Randall? It's in San Juan Batista. Okay. We call it Popolishum. Popolishum. So. Oh, the aromas on that wine are yeah. so Beautiful. nice. Yeah. We're, we're, I'm we're, smiling. It's yeah, radio. I understand, good. but I'm smiling. I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm just hoping just, Bart gets to the point where he can uh, make wine to sell and then make wine uh, for <laughs> for his friends. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we're just um, we're waiting for a wine here. And we're, Randall, thank you very much for oh, uh, sitting down with us. And it's been great. We're, we're not going to let you go, though, because okay, well, there's good. No, I mean, we'll let you go here very shortly, but we're going to come down and see you down south one okay, day. Get, get a full uh, a full hour in with Oh, you. yeah. You got to stop in. You guys still uh, um, in the little wine ghetto there? You still got the, uh, the warehouse mm -hmm. uh, tasting room? Yep. Yeah. Actually, no, the tasting room moved up to Davenport about 10 oh, miles. Oh, okay. So this is a year old of my one to be. So what is so what this is this? GSM. So it's um, so 2015 GSM, and this was 60% Grenache, 35 Shiraz, 9% Mourvedre. And I have to say, I'm sitting along, I, I'm putting this alongside yours. This sells in the states for about eleven dollars, mm -hmm. nine, nine to eleven dollars. There it is, the um, black sheep. But the idea. And it's not got as the bright Grenache that I want from it mm. that I got. It, it, we're now um, on, we're a year on from this. In fact, more than a year on from this. But. Got that. Well, you can still find old vine head trained uh, yeah. Grenache in Minervois. Well, the sad thing about where we are, sure. so the good and the bad thing, and you should come over and um, play around the way you have in the past. Our, we're near. Um, well, sorry, near within our area is La Livignette, which is the Grand Cru of Minervois. Mm -hmm. And we are putting grapes from La Livignette into our $10 wine mm -hmm. because oh people don't recognize the value of La Livignette. Right. Yeah. I feel that way about Cossier and Right. And that's a, I mean, so uh, basically, um, I want, we're trying to do it, we've got a Minervois, we can't sell Minervois in the States, no one's heard of it, no one knows what it is, Right. and so you hand sell it, you can go through, you know, in the right store, in the right um, restaurant, you can sell it, but it's, it's, no one knows what it is, Costier de Nîmes, exactly the same. I, I used to import wines from Minervois and Costier de Nîmes, yeah. Yeah. the Domaine de Blagueur, yeah. Yeah. Syrah. Exactly. Yep. Couldn't sell it as no. Minervois, of course. 
Yeah. But now we, you know, we're trying now to do a, to do a reserve Minervois at, at a higher price level. Um, and, but it'll be, it'll be tough. Yeah. Uh, and there are, there are countries in the world that will do it. But well, you just have easy. to get into people's mouths. And that's what I learned, you know, working at the Grill in the Fig is when people would come in and they had their expectation of trying Chardonnay and Pinot and Cab and all the usual suspects. It's just a matter of sitting them down and getting something good in their mouths. And finding something that they like. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and if you told them, you know, this is, uh, I think you'll enjoy this. And they tried something. It, uh, you always, they always left there with a, a feeling of... Um, um, they, they found something new like they you somehow tilted their their um, their vision a little bit that uh, they'd stepped out of their comfort zone and and, it, and that's just a matter of good wine I think especially the kids that are coming up nowadays they don't really care what it is they just want it to be good they want it to um, to cost uh, what they think it should cost and they, they and they and it should be cool and this this is a this is a cool wine but are we yeah. seeing a now a, a gap, if you, the 80-20 rule or whatever it is, where we've got interesting wine, which is the stuff we're buying from wine shops and we're buying with sommeliers are pouring and you, you're, you, you, you're thinking about it. And even if you didn't know you were going to think about it, you're encouraged, seduced into thinking about it. And the rest. Because I, I walked through the stores the other day, and I suddenly had this moment of, of revelation. Um, because I looked at all these wines that are quite often California Appalachian, um, with with wonderful labels <laughs> in terms of in the way they. Are. I mean, right. sitting next to a man. Forgive, forgive me, forgive me, for I have zinned. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is an entire series of, of great labels. Yeah. But but basically, we've got all sorts of brilliant, eye-catching labels. And I suddenly thought, we what we're in here is the perfume business. These Interesting. Are yeah. Basically, most people find a perfume that they relate to in some way, either because they like the smell. Or because it's a Beyonce perfume and they 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 like Beyonce or whatever, right? Right. And they go back and buy it. And to me, I see the bottle, an orange Swift bottle on a on a shelf. I'm never going to forget that that label because I've seen it. Yeah. If the flavor does what I want it to do, then I'll go on buying it in the way that I buy a perfume. Whether yeah. that's part of the wine business, as we, irrespective of vintage or anything else, whether that's part of the wine business as we know it. It's another question. Randall, I don't know. There's a lot for you to yeah, I've, react I've, against that. I've um, <laughs> gotten to the point where I don't understand the wine business anymore at all. <laughs> I, think, I think it's largely brute force that makes wine sales go or not go. Uh, in the old days, you had a clever label, a good product, good value, and a good story, and you sold your wine. That, no. Those were the ingredients. Now, it's kind of that, plus like 10 other things that are totally opaque. I'm, I, I'm not sure. Actually, I think that you were ahead of your time, with no question. The, the, the labels, the blends, everything you yep. did were ahead of their time. Um, and they still are. But I think that in a way... Um, You've got a you've got an audience that wants to be entertained. You've always had that, and I think now they're being entertained in a different way in all sorts of right. I mean, life. but you know, at a certain point, one grows up, and you know, I'm just not that interested in entertaining people anymore. You know, hmm. I, I, but I you wish... are. You've just done it with these wines. Well, no, no, I, I. It's just an entertaining in a different it's way. In a more in a more <laughs> subtle way. Let's hope. Let's hope. Yeah, I'm not sure that entertaining <laughs> is the right word, but. But you do um, an off-broad... What you've just given us, for example, could be a great off-Broadway, one-man, two-man theater play. <laughs> you know, you're not... This isn't Hamilton. This is not the big musical extravaganza. But they're both on stage in the same city at the same time. Right. It's, it's, a, quieter, it's a quieter statement with a more limited audience, for sure. Yeah. It's just a different segment of the market that's, that's more interesting to me now. Per personally I mean, I'm just tired of being the jester I mean it was fun for a long time but um, I get that yeah no I get that you know there are an awful lot of actors who don't want to be in the same kind of movies that they were in 
Well, but but making those action movies, those summer blockbusters, uh, allows you to make those independent films. It did in the day. Right? But I again, there are people who do action films better than I do and do clever labels better than I do. I mean, that's you know, back in the day, if you had a clever clever label, you won. Now there's hundreds, if not thousands, of clever labels. Yeah. But but Randall, we we go back far enough for me to to play hardball with you. You can't do this. I'm sorry. In my hand, I have a can, <laughs> right? Sparkly grid ash, right. With a moose on it. Cool. You know, irony. You know, I swore, Robert. I swore I would never make a critter wine. I swore I would never make a critter wine. What did I do? I made a critter wine. Yeah. So, what is more critter-like yeah, than a moose? Dated, a so moose it's okay. is like the the ur critter and I've of got all a sheep critters. On mine, and you put yours in a can. Oh my. God, what have we what? done, Robert? What <laughs> have right, we done? Listen, this is all about people putting the money that they've earned down on the table in return for something that they're going to enjoy. And providing that we're doing honestly, providing that the product is not tricked up in all sorts of ways and is actually some kind of reflection of the, of the place and the grape and what you're trying to do, does it really matter? Mm. Matters to me. <laughs> no, but it, when I say it doesn't matter, it, it matters in the sense that whether you're doing Hamilton or you're doing the Off-Broadway show, the moose, this is doing... The moose is loose. The moose is... <laughs> don't, don't, <laughs> don't actually, as far as I'm concerned, it's as valid as your one barrel. Completely disagree, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? I'm talking That's about just your not, wine. not <laughs> correct. That's I'll take the one correct. barrel or even the half barrel. No, no. One is a real wine. One is a real wine. One is is a sort of confection. A very clever confection, but a confection nevertheless. Okay, here's my answer to you in those terms. Graham Greene, one of my favorite yep. authors used to have wine, uh, books that were novels Entertain and entertainments. Yes. They, and now I defy you. You read those books and the entertainments still have the Graham Greene yeah. fingerprint. This wine in a can. I'm doing your marketing for you. Thank you. This wine in a can. <laughs> um, you know, I don't think Constellation or, or, or some of the other big companies necessarily would be out there putting this liquid in a can. Well, it, for one thing, it's good. And, um, you know, when I present it to people, they say, it's good. And they're shocked. It's good. <laughs> they shouldn't be shocked. That's the whole point of right. it. It's supposed to taste good. Yeah, I know how to make wine. <laughs> Look, it should taste good. I'm, the wine that I've just poured here, which, I, I, as I said, I, I, I hardly dare put it on the same. It, it sits alongside the wine in your can very happily. But I'm making wine. I've, I've, I've written a number of books in my time. I'm making wine now for people who would not have bought the books I used to write. Hmm. I'm, I'm saying that very carefully. Um, I know lots of people, including Randall, who make wine for people who want to buy books on wine and read about it and understand about it and so on. But there are, there's a huge number of people who just want a decent drink. And I think that they should have, whether it's your wine in a can or my wine with a, with a moose on it or my wine in a bottle with a sheep on it, they can actually get something that is made from grapes that tastes good. Right. Some of them may trade up and trade up to some of your other wines and other wines that we love, and others won't. Yeah. But, that's, but essentially, if they're getting a good, a pleasurable experience, right. like a great burger. Yep. You know, and, and as long as they wrong with a great burger. And at the end of the day, as long as they enjoy what they've purchased and consume, then we've done our job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's a gateway drug. Absolutely. <laughs> and, that, and and there's a I lot mean, to be said about that. There is sort of a bridge between that can and that bottle. Absolutely. And yeah. and if I had this can and then I saw that bottle with that label. And I knew it came well, from the same producer. Well, and then you tasted it. Okay, can I now, because I'm the, the visitor to these parts. Um, I study the industry quite carefully globally. Um, you're in an interesting time here, and in Canada is going into an interesting time, where the, the new expression, share of buzz, um, is, is becoming relevant, where somebody was talking to me about what's happening in um, Vegas, where people aren't necessarily having the bottles of Petrus or whatever wine they were. They're having some cannabis before yeah. dinner and maybe some afterwards. And maybe they've got one bottle of wine. 
but instead of the three bottles of wine they might have gone through as a group, yeah. they'll have one bottle of very good wine that they'll have a glass each. Um, there is, are we talking now about cannabis actually now being, especially in all the different ways in which it's going to be ingested, a competitor to wine? And, and you know what? Uh, it, if Sam was here, yeah, and I don't think so. I think there's somehow there's going to be this really beautiful marriage of growers of cannabis and growers of wine, and I think there's going to be a beautiful business of uh, almost sommeliers for for cannabis, and I think there's going to be AVAs for cannabis here in California, and it's going to get to that point where it'll be very similar. You have an in MC. The, in the structure. Master of cannabis. Right. Yes. I think it'll be very similar in the structure. And I, think, I think we're have... a long ways away from that because you know what? The, the, the state or the counties in California that have already theoretically legalized it still can't, you know, figure it out enough to make it actually work. And so I think we're a ways away from that, on, you know, whether it's fortunate or unfortunate. I don't know. I don't know. I think there 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 may be a day, Bart, where you're no, in a, no, where you're actually in a restaurant, day. and the first thing you order before a glass of wine might be a joint. Well, what do you say, a joint? It may not. It may come in other forms. It may right. well be uh, some, some sort of meat, cocktail. Something that yeah. I mean, something I think aromatized. Right. Something yeah. that's sprayed. Yeah. You know, a little mist that fills <laughs> that covers the table. <laughs> I just <laughs> the uh, cannabis mist. Yeah. No, <laughs> I think you're on the right track here. I think you're absolutely on track. <laughs> So poof, and that's the last thing I remembered was right. that cloud, <laughs> right. that, that misty cloud that right. enveloped the table. And you know what? Sometimes I think that maybe that cannabis might be from the same producer as the bottle of wine that you'll order next. Certainly in Mendocino County, that uh, would be a good good bet. So what else I, is I, I've <laughs> seen it happen in Sonoma County. <laughs> or Sonoma. Yeah. In Australia, yeah. my friends call it cover crop. Um, oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Well, some of my friends okay. call it. We're going to... Right. Yeah, speaking of which, yeah, we need to go uh, get some food. Yep. Thank you, guys. So, Oh, thank you. Are thank you kidding? Thank you so much. Thank you for sitting down and sharing the wines with us. I wasn't we, uh, expecting this at all, so thank <laughs> you. No, no, it's awesome. Thank you guys well, very much. Come back much. and revisit if you have any epiphanies. I haven't had an epiphany in a while. <laughs> a bottle of epiphany or just or a can You know, of it's, it's funny. After a bottle of wine, epiphany. sometimes I have an epiphany and yeah. I just need to get it out. Yeah. Thank you. You're Thanks very so much, welcome. guys. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, Go listen, ahead. everybody, um, uh, if you want to try some great wines, we had a bunch of people on today or tonight that um, are all um, uh, craft winemakers. Yeah, um, that's for sure. Uh, it, it's all about the product. It's not about the profit. And, um, and please check them out. Yeah, please and happy Grenache Day, everyone. This is Brian Casey and Bart Hansen with uh, Casey Graybell, and we got uh, Karen Robinson here. Thank you to Sandra um, Bernstein for hosting this event. Thank you to Sam Katuri and John Myers, who couldn't be here. Jasmine Egan, who has been working in the taste room for uh, Sam and is here tonight. Everyone that we saw here tonight, it's amazing that everyone in the Rhone community is 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 just friends with each other on a, on a root level, even if you don't have anything else in common other than the fact that you love Rhone wines. We all can somehow get together at a place and enjoy each other's company just solely based upon being lovers of Rhone wines. And, and we have this connection and, and it just always makes for a good time. And, and starting this show off with Randall Graham and, and getting a chance to sit down with him for, for a half an hour or an hour um, was amazing. So um, hopefully you enjoyed the show. Happy Grenache Day, everyone. We will see you next week. This has been Brian Casey with uh, Bart Hansen, Kieran Robson, Casey Graybolt, saying uh, thank you for listening to The Winemakers.